This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This is Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com, Chicago Sports Station. Yeah, it's a good question. A lot of things. I think it comes down to execution, and there's some things I think we can do differently, game planning. Um, just to put ourselves in a better position early on. But uh, it always comes down to the basics at the end of the day. Are we doing good on third down? Um, and tonight we were not. Um, were we efficient on first and second down? Tonight we were not. So we were in third and longs, third, um, third and longs, and it wasn't very manageable. And they're putting us in tough positions, and we just didn't execute. So we shot ourselves in the foot a lot. I didn't think we played very smart tonight uh, with the penalties. And it, it was just sloppy. So, like I said, there's a lot of things that we need to do better, a lot of things that need to change. Um, and a lot of it is the, the, the culture and, and what we accept and, and what we don't. So, we just got to keep getting better. And you, you got to play your best ball against, against better teams like that, especially Green Bay last week and the Saints this week. That was the voice of Bears quarterback. Well, for tonight, for at least the rest of the night, he will still be referred to as Bears quarterback Mitchell Trubisky, who has now come to the end of what was his rookie deal as the Chicago Bears quarterback, where, of course, they did not, uh, did not, they, they declined his fifth year option, I guess is the proper term for that. So, That was our, for now, our last foray into the Mitchell Trubisky era. We will see what the offseason brings as we are now officially in the midst of the offseason for the Chicago Bears. 21-9, New Orleans Saints down the Chicago Bears. And we are here on the Post Post Show, Anthony Heron and the great Olin Krutz with you for about an hour here, just kind of talking through things. You know, the, the phone lines will usually light up with some folks having their thoughts on things for what we just witnessed and the Bears who made the playoffs and, in somewhat surprising fashion, depending on what point in the season you look at, certainly a big surprise uh, for where they were at about a month ago. But they did win three out of their last four games, work their way into this extended NFL postseason structure, and it ends with with a bit of a thud. And so now Matt Nagy as the Bears head coach, 0-2 in the postseason, Mitchell Trubisky as the Bears starting playoff quarterback, 0-2 in the playoffs and this current construct of where the Bears are at, especially on the offensive side, some questions that will need to be answered. We will see uh, myself and Olin Cruz. Maybe we can start to sift through some of the potential answers here, or at least really get to crystallize what the questions are that the Bears internally need to answer. This is Chicago Sports Radio 670. The score, we will have the phone lines open for you at 
844-677-6767. See Lisa on hold already. We'll get to you in just one moment. Lisa, other folks dialing in right now. But just sort of opening thoughts, Olin, on a, a regular season that for a broad stretch, you know, early 5-1, and one, look like, all right, it, it looks like a team that's certainly going to have a chance at the playoffs in the six-game skid. Wow, they really worked their way out of the discussion, and they finished in the way that got back into the playoff picture. So understandable that the fan base would be frustrated about it, but it, it's not all negative, but certainly for where this franchise is at three seasons into the Matt Nagy era, we would have expected things to be further along after how it went in 2018. Does that seem, uh, I guess, uh, to be kind of a fair approximation of where it's at right now? Yeah, I, I think you're right. And I think they go into Ryan Pace's sixth year and, and Matt Nagy's fourth year with a lot more questions than you would like to have at critical positions, right? And by critical, the most critical position on a football team uh, is the quarterback, right? And they have they have more as much questions as any team in the NFL right now. Uh, some of that is that Mitch Trubisky is not the quarterback uh, we had hoped he would be after they took him with the second pick of the draft. Um, they never did draft another young quarterback. Right. They brought in Nick Foles. That didn't work out. And now they have to really take a clear look at what actually happened this year. And sometimes we have to step away to see that, right? And you look at Nick Foles and you say, well, he didn't play well. And that that's true. But he, five of his seven starts were against playoff teams, hmm. right? And now Mr. Bisky, in all that improvement at the end of the year – you start to question what you saw when you see them against good football teams, so, mm-hmm. uh, mainly the Packers and the New Orleans Saints, the yeah. number four defense in the NFL. And you start to wonder, was I, was I watching him against really bad teams, and what has he done against good teams? So the quarterback position is a question. Uh, wide receiver is a question because Allen Robinson uh, is not signed. O-line is a question. So like you said, a lot of questions on offense, and then you start to think, okay, well, they're regressing on defense. This championship defense, like we watched the Rams. That's a championship football uh-huh. defense. That's a yeah. that they get after they're very good players. And you start to wonder now, the offense we said that they would just build this offense that would run the ball and not turn the ball over, they would compete. Is that still true against good football teams? Is what I'm wondering when they step away and look at it. How do they? I mean, began. How, where do they start yeah. with all the problems that they do have? When you look at the last two games, three one two six four four six seven six seven gets you guys involved in this discussion as well. When you look at the last two games, you're referencing where it was at, that three-game win streak, and you even go back before that where it felt like coming off the bye. All right, not a great performance initially after the bye against Green Bay, then a, a really disappointing, what felt like it could have been a crushing defeat against the Detroit Lions where you gave up a big lead in the second half. And then from there, you run off three in a row, these last two games, Green Bay and New Orleans, Green Bay number one seed, New Orleans number two seed. So you see them in back-to-back weeks. You'd already seen New Orleans and played them tough one time earlier in the season. And there's a formula that the Bears attempted in the game tonight and very similar to the formula last week that gave them an opportunity late in the game, late, you know, figuratively late, relatively late, fourth quarter where you're in it. You're within a score of a quality team. And then, you know, the wheels sort of sort of fall off from that point. What does that indicate to you, oh, that they had to use a certain type of football? Well, you know, ball control, it's not like this weird thing that they invented out of thin air. You go with a ball control approach, but when the other team has the ball, you're not necessarily just shutting the door on them consistently. 
How far away do you think it seems the Bears are from where we saw them against Green Bay last week and certainly New Orleans today? I, I think, you, to be honest with themselves, and obviously they have to take all their injuries right. into consideration, right? On offense, uh, Terry Cohen's not there. Mooney's not there. Bobby Massey's not there. The guy who I think is their best offensive lineman, James Daniels, has been out for a while now. They adapted well to that, and that's the credit you give Coach Nagy. But my problem is, Big Ant, that's the credit we gave him last year too, mm. right? So now I don't have a problem with going into the offseason with problems. Every team that doesn't win the Super Bowl thinks they have to get better. <laughs> my problem is when you go into the offseason with the same problems, right? Because last year it was we got to fix the quarterback position, we got to fix the offensive line, we got to score more points on offense, and our defense seems to, even though they're still pretty good, they seem to be regressing a little bit. Now yeah. they regress even more this year. So now I'm now you see where I don't know what you think, Big. I wonder what you think about this. I, I'm just more worried about the fact that it's the same problems. Mm. The fact that you fired three coaches last year on offense and you got almost the same results this year on offense. And and now I'm starting to wonder: Do you know what your problems are, and do you know how to fix them? And it's really odd that as as they came down the stretch, it seemed like. Some of the the issues of of maturity or dysfunction that you know, like ill time penalties and things that are that are more me plays versus we plays that Coach Nagy talks about quite a bit. It seemed like maybe a lot of that was out of their system, and we saw those things creep in again in today's game. Chief amongst those, Anthony Miller with a boneheaded maneuver against the the same exact guy who they showed the film to the entire team throughout the week. A number of players asked about it throughout the week. With, with C.J. Gardner, and for whatever reason, Anthony Miller falls for it again, and the Bears lose another key receiver against the Saints in a game where it's the same defensive back from the Saints, same guy who's kind of a nuisance to everybody on a weekly basis. Anthony Miller falls for the okey-doke. He gets kicked out of the game, and now where you were already shorthanded at receiver, you're that much more shorthanded. So we'll take our first time out here. We'll come back and get to uh, we'll get to Lisa. We'll get to to Bill and make sure we get you guys on the line as well. And Brad's out there on the phone lines too. So you guys stay on hold for just a couple of minutes. We'll keep the post-post show rolling here and have the phone lines open at 312-644-6767 as the Bears season comes to a close as they get down by the New Orleans Saints. This is Chicago Sports Radio, 670 to score. Yeah, man, we, we played a good game. You know, for most of the game, I think that it was very competitive. I think that we were in it, you know, 90, 85% of the game. I feel like we were right there on the cusp of, uh, you know, switching the momentum and, and making another big play for us to come out on top. But unfortunately, that moment just never came, right? Um, through our battling, it, and, and, and I think that you guys can see it, you know, through the TV screen. I think you can see guys selling out. I think you guys can see, you can see guys, you know, straining to make that extra play or that next play. Uh, unfortunately, like I said, it didn't come. So you got to live with that and you got to you got to live with it, bro. That's it. That was Keem Hicks. A game that that felt like maybe it went kind of back to the inverse where a lot of the season, at least the first half of the year, we're looking at it like, man, the Bears defense, if they're playing well enough to win games and they're finding ways to win games through those first 6 weeks where they start off 5 and 1, but everything was so ugly on offense and the the approach that the system was being run still didn't seem to suit how they needed to operate, but they got to five and one. Then as that skid happened, uh, when they went into the bye week, and you and I talked about this after uh, after the final game, after the Minnesota game, before the bye week, like man, the, the defense expended so much energy in that game and had for several weeks, like shutting down Derrick Henry and controlling you know some great players offensively and holding down the scoreboard against 
some key opponents going into the bye, and they were still losing those games. My hope, oh, and I think I told you at that time, was that the bye week came at a good time where the defense could just kind of exhale and maybe after a little time away come back and kind of, you know, just kind of re-energize in a way that whatever disappointment or frustration could creep in that they wouldn't allow it to be there. It came out of the bye, and the defense just didn't look the same. Uh, but today, you, you got the defense holding New Orleans down, getting some heat on Drew Brees with backups in the game. You know, they they were isolating Manti Teo at certain points. Guy's been on the practice squad for the bulk of the year, and here he's getting first game action in a playoff game as your starter, playing the bulk of the defensive snaps. So like you were saying before the break, some some missing personnel could, you know, made life more difficult for the defense. No Jalen Johnson, no Buster Screen, all those types of things. But overall, there was a defense, like Akeem Hicks was just saying there, that, that was flying around and doing what they could to keep the team in the game. But before we get out to uh, to the phone lines, we're gonna, you know, we got got Billy and Bill, Lisa and King James and all those folks out there. The defense and the championship window that that would be there, where Akeem Hicks is thirty one, Khalil Mack is twenty nine, you know, Danny Trevathan is is thirty at this point as well. Just wondering, what what do you think for for the Bears defense for where they're at right now? And we've seen the last couple of seasons, it's not the same as it was. So how how much does that enhance the concern for where the franchise is at? Because a lot of the money and the reason there's not a big amount of cap space is because a lot of money's on that side of the ball. Definitely. And the thing, if you're George McCaskey or Ted Phillips or in charge up there, is when you get in a room with Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy, these are the questions you're asking them, right? Okay, now, what do you guys, where do you guys feel like your championship defense, your championship window, where are they? And, and if they're not there anymore, how are we going to win with this offense that we got that averages under 18 points a game, a game against good defenses under 18 points a game, period, last year, right? And really, if you go all the way back to 2018 and you start from the Rams week, which I think was week 14, the offense has not done well since then. So it's been a while. Coach Nagy was hired because of his offensive prowess. But right. the defense, they weren't playing championship football here for the last for the last month of the season, right? Since, like we talked about, they came out of bye week and they averaged giving up to the NFC, their NFC North opponents besides the Texans over 30 points a game, which is scary for, for uh-huh. a Bears fan. And then they didn't stop the run the first game against the Packers. I think they had like 180 yards rushing. And then they gave up 400 yards passing to the Lions. So now you're thinking, gosh, you're not stopping anything, right? And like you said, tonight you're watching a game, you're thinking they're playing a lot better. And obviously it was two to one time of possession. So eventually the dam's going to break. But before that, like like we talked about, you got to get in a room and take a real clear look at where you are. And, and, And if you are a Bears executive up there at Hallis Hall, uh, you're a little worried about where you are and how close you are to a Super Bowl and why you are where you are with the general manager on his sixth year and a head coach on his fourth year. And even though you think these young guys can get better at their jobs, I'm talking about Coach Nagy and Ryan Pace, um, you need them to give you a clear vision of how they're going to get better as a football team. 312-644-6767 is the number to call in. Let's get some callers in on the line here. Out in Riverwoods, I think uh, it's, who is it, Billy, who's been on hold the longest here. So let's go out to Riverwoods, talk to Billy out there. What, what you got, Billy? Hi, my name is Bowie, like David Bowie, and I'm 10 years old. Oh, nice. Okay, thanks for calling in. How are you? 
I'm good. Uh, thanks for being on your show. And I don't want to keep Mitch, Mitch next year because he's not a leader. He didn't encourage his players on the sidelines or in the huddle. He looked like he already lost the game when it was only 7-3. Okay, it's a good call there from Bowie. Like David Bowie, I like it. Um, and the, the leadership aspect of it, you know, the quarterback position to the point that Bowie, our 10-year-old caller, was just making there. You do expect that from your quarterback. Like we heard the voice of Akeem Hicks coming back from break. He is one of the leaders on this ball club, no doubt about it. The energy, guys, 340, 350 flying around the field. <laughs> I love it, You man. know, I mean, just exhorting his teammates, all that. And, and it's easier for guys to follow that. And at the same time, it feels like as Mitch got back into the lineup here, he, he has attempted to be that guy, but it, it doesn't – whether it came as naturally to him or not, but I think there's also the aspect of whether or not – the team necessarily feels like your performance maybe maybe dictates that you can fully be that leader, that that intangible aspect of, of Mitch Trubisky. Well, what do you think about that to the, the question Boy had there? You know, the one, first thing I want to say is that that's why you love Chicago football because they start them young, man. And Bowie, <laughs> Bowie's up at 9 o'clock, and Bowie's worried about Mr. Oh, yeah. Trubisky's leadership oh, skills. Yeah. And, and I like that. And he, he makes a good point because um, – I was disappointed on that fourth and four uh, when Mitch didn't put his shoulder yeah. down and go for it. That, right. that, that disappointed me. Uh, I tweeted that out. A lot of people get emotional when you talk about Mitch around here, but hmm. um, you just kind of tweeting out what you see, you mm-hmm. know, and, and something that I thought watching uh, the kid in Buffalo uh, the other, last night, that, that the way he ran the ball really spurred his team on. I thought Mitch had to do that against these last two teams. And I really think for Mitch to be a successful quarterback – a Super Bowl-winning quarterback. Uh, his legs and his athletic ability yeah. has to be a big part of what he does. Yeah. And he's got a he, – when he, when he see, plays two man coverage teams, like Pettin and, and Dennis Allen, the Packers, and the Saints, big and like you know, they're not looking at the quarterback. Right. So he, he I thought he would take off a little more. I thought even though he didn't get that first down there, I think there's a point in the game when, when you're a leader, you have a feel for your team and you drop your shoulder and you run over a cornerback. And and you get everybody on the sideline. You let them know, like, this is what kind of game this is today. This is mm-hmm. what we're doing. We're putting everything on the line to win this game. And I thought that was a missed opportunity for Mitch there. Now, I, I couldn't see him on the sideline. I think to be a very good leader, you have to be a very good football player. And, mm-hmm. I, and I think that uh, Mitch has a long way to go uh, before he's that guy. And it's almost like when you talk about Mitch and how do you win with Mitch, I'm interested in what you think about this. It's almost like you. the only way the Bears are, even when Mitch talks about it, is you win despite him. He is a, a guy who it seems like the, the, the guys in the locker room like Mitch, root for Mitch, but but to your point, and you, you know it better than most people, Olin Cruz, to, to be a leader on that ball club, your performance, to, to get the most out of that leadership, your performance is normally what guys will gravitate towards as much as anything. Let's get back out to the phone lines here. Bill is on the south side, wants to talk about the Bears as their season comes to an end here. Bill, what's up, man? You got Cruz and Heron. Hey, good evening, gentlemen. Big hey, fan of your shows. Uh, you know, I, I, here's the main thing that i just like to say. You know, only when you play, the thing I love most is, obviously you were a very talented player, but you left your heart on the field, man. You played to win, and you left it all out there. And it's not there with, with, with not, not everyone. They've got some players that do, that do show that. A lot of it just, I mean, how do you respect some of this? Dummies that are in charge. I mean, since Lovey left, since he, again, the guy wins 10 games. Oh, that's terrible. We got to get rid of Lovey after he wins 10 games. Get rid of him. Let's bring in, you know, 
geniuses like Phil Emery and and John Fox and Mark Tressman, complete dummies. Oh, now we got Ronald Pace and Matt Nagy. Again, dummies. I mean, the guys that let the clock run out on them, the timeouts left and they're trying to score. Guys, you just don't know the game. This is not a very difficult game. You've been playing it your whole life. All right, Bill, appreciate you. Um, <clears throat> the Bears front office, there, there's questions about the Bears players, you know, Mitch's contract for now he, he will be a restricted free agent, so they can match something if somebody puts something on the table for Mitch. Allen Robinson, an unrestricted free agent. You know, other players on the lineup who decisions will have to be made, but also the the front office, even the Bears coach, has come into question here throughout the, the second half of the season whether or not they would return as well. And that, that comes, you know, from the folks at the top of McCaskey family who have some of those decisions to be made it feels to me along those lines like Matt Nagy's a coach who came in with one offensive system in mind with what he had studied under Andy Reid and this is what he had always pictured his offense to look like and so he wanted that to be what he did at quarterback what he did with his offensive line and with his receivers and you know I, I, I don't understand why it took coach Nagy so long to and really what it came down to was once he gave up the play calling, the offense did get to more more zone, more under center, more boots and sprint action and and using the mobility of Mitch Trubisky and cutting down reads for him out of the pocket, just getting him on the move, and it took pressure off the old line, took pressure off Mitch mentally, made him more accurate physically, and all those things that we've discussed a lot. I don't understand why it took so long to get to that and the willingness to do it. Once it was there, it at least gave the offense a chance, and especially against some of the more porous defenses in the league then it gave them the opportunity to even be explosive at times and look consistent in rhythm. Now, all this sort of falls under the watch of Ryan Pace. You know, what coaches do you have in place? What players are you putting in place? How does the entire puzzle come together to give your team the opportunity to be at its best? Is he completely hands-off and says, well, Matt Nagy, do what you got to do with Mitch, or at some point should should Ryan Pace have stepped in sooner and said, you know what, let's go to what the, the previous regime had drafted Mitch to do. So if we're going with Mitch – then maybe let's just do what suits Mitch. And it feels like for whatever reason, that didn't take place as quickly as it should have. Took place quick enough for the Bears to make the playoffs here, but now things still feel really disjointed, and a lot of that comes from the top. Yeah, and, and I think it's it's pretty clear, right, what, what you do with Mitch. I think you, you totally commit to the outside zone scheme, so you get somebody from the Gary Kubiak, Kyle Shanahan, uh, Matt LaFleur, Arthur Smith tree, or, or you just move on from Mitch because I think what you're saying, Big Ant, and, and it makes so much sense when you, when you say it, when Coach Nagy dreams of his football team and how he wants to win football games and when he goes to his well of what he knows, what he's doing right now, it, that that's not the picture in his head. Right. That's not the way he wins football games, right? He, he's a guy who's a lot of times he's, he's plays and not players, but you got to have – Andy Reid has the best players in his system. That's why it works. But, you know, like today I listened to him talk about we had that play in the book for Wims for weeks. And my first thought isn't why did Wims drop it? It's why. Why did you have that play in the book for Wims? That's my first thought. Like, I would have that play in the book for Allen Robinson, right? Uh, or he right. maybe even Mooney. But they said that that play was to go to Wims. And, and don't get me wrong, he made a great catch on the sideline right before. Right, so maybe you he gains your confidence right there. But in the NFL, Big Ant, like you know, once a guy shows you who he is, believe him. So when a guy throws a two piece at a guy in the middle of the football field, 
believe that that's who this guy is, right? Then maybe well, that's not a yeah, guy you trust they, in, key they, they in, in key moments. Uh-huh. With his emotions, to handle his emotions. When when when, when you say Miller struggles learning plays and you got you got to drop him all to the third wide receiver, I'm not shocked he hauls off and punches the guy in the middle field. Even when you went over that for 15 minutes, at that point, like you know in the NFL, Big Ant, there's an old saying: you better be good enough. <laughs> And Anthony Miller, you're not good enough to haul off and punch people. You right. better be good enough to act like you're a star. And at that point, to me, I don't need to talk to him anymore. He's just not on my football team anymore. Mm-hmm. 312-644-6767. Cannot say it any better than that. Let's go back out to the phone lines. Out in Missouri, we got Lee on the line coming from across state lines. Lee, what's happening? You got Olin Cruz and Anthony Heron. What's up, Lee? I think uh, this is Gino, not Lee, but that's okay. How okay. are you guys? Good, good. Yeah, appreciate you being on the line. Sorry, I got confused by the name. I think, I think honestly, we got to hire that 10-year-old kid. That was terrific. <laughs> that was, uh, really, really yeah, good analysis. Stuff. Agreed. I, I'm going to give you guys a little history lesson, if you can just give me, give me a minute and a half. I, I honestly, I've been watching this team. I'm one of, those, one of those old guys. I've been watching this team since I was a little kid in the 70s. And 1979... George Hallis' son, Muggs, tragically passed away. And the stewardship of this, of this team belonged to the McCaskies after that. Now, the Bears were really, really good in the early 80s and the mid-80s, and we all remember the Super Bowl. That was 35 years ago now. I, I, look, we've been, we've been skating around it. You guys are really doing a great job of analyzing what's going to happen. But I'm just afraid we're going to get the same merry-go-round over and over and over again. There's nobody in that, in that building that knows how to hire the person who can fix this. And I, I, just, I just worry that we're just going to go around this merry-go-round. We may have a year or two where we get lucky and we go 12-4. and four. Then we lose in the playoffs. We had a generational uh, talent to draft a quarterback five years ago, and the guy picked the wrong guy. I'm just really very concerned as a Bears fan that there's no adult in the room that's going to be able to make the right decisions. And I'm hoping – Maybe one of you guys can get some of your buddies together and maybe offer your services up to George McCaskey as passionate former players and say, let me help you, because that's really what they need, guys. And I'll hang up and listen, but that's really what I see. And thanks again for taking my call. Gene, appreciate you. Yeah, I mean, a lot of what you're saying is hard to, hard to argue because of the results that are there. And that, that's what it comes down to, of course, a results-based business. Um, now, I think as it relates to... Ryan Pace, I've said it after after they, they fired John Fox and they extended Ryan Pace. I said it at that moment that it, it seems like they're going to give Ryan Pace an opportunity to improve on the job. And I mean, you know, after 2018, I was saying, you know what? Looks like maybe Ryan Pace is improving on the job. You know, you've got some quality draft picks. It seemed like they were going to have an opportunity to even continue growing, maybe flourishing, you know, not just Mitch, but we're seeing at that point what's going to happen with Leonard Floyd and Anthony Miller showing promise as a young football player back then. Got Cody White here on the offensive line. All those things were, were looking very positive. For whatever reason, things, you know, not all the individual players, but the, the compilation of those parts have seemingly regressed to, to some extent over the last couple of seasons. The offense has regressed to large extents. The defense has regressed uh, to some extent here over the last couple of years. And, and that's where, you know, again, from the top, like we were talking about a few minutes ago, it's part of where that evaluation has to come in. 
why are things after what it felt like uh, between Ryan Pace and then Matt Nagy's first year and everybody's winning awards and going to Pro Bowls and uh, this this really awkward end to the playoff run in a game that it felt like should have been won, that comes to a close, and it feels like things should be on an upward tra- trajectory from that point, and it's gone in the opposite direction, Olin. And, you know, I don't think there's one easy fix to it, but there's a whole lot of blame uh, in the blame pie that can kind of be sliced up and passed around. Yeah, and, and Gino obviously is pointing his finger at, at Ted Phillips and George McCaskey and the McCaskey family, right? And um, they are they are the owners, and they are the, you know, Ted is the, Phillip, uh, the boss up there. Uh, Ted Phillips is since 1999. I think they made him president and CEO of the organization, right? So I don't think they'll hide from that, that, that it hasn't been good enough. I, I don't think anybody up there at Hallis Hall is happy with the results. Uh, I think Gino makes a good point when he says you do have to worry about, like when we talked about Coach Nagy, he talked about he's going to fix his offense. He fires three coaches last year. You get almost the same offense, right, the mm-hmm. same results. Um, does he know how to fix his offense is a fair question. To ask him in a room, like, right. do you? What is your plan? Uh, same question for Ted Phillips and George McCaskey. If they are moving on from Ryan Pace and um, Coach Nagy, well, what is different this time? What What are you looking for this time in your hire? Because Emory didn't work, um, Pace hasn't worked. Mm. So, are you using the same criteria? Are the same guys in a room making the same decisions? And if they are. Well, that's kind of a problem, right? Because uh, now you don't have another voice uh, in the room to help you along the way of uh, a guy, someone else in the room who's maybe looking for someone different than you're looking for, right? Mm-hmm. So so it's, it feels like the Bears organization, since Lovey left, uh, Lovey did a, you know, obviously we didn't go to playoffs a lot either when, when Coach when coach was here, uh, not, not nearly enough with the defense we have. So – uh, eventually, when you're running an organization, Big Ant, I, I don't know how you feel about this, but it's about developing people. And, and when I say people, I mean players. Mm-hmm. I mean the next general manager. Mm-hmm. And you're try- if you make everybody better, then everybody just gets better together. And it seems like you said uh, they got fat and happy in 2018, and the details kind of fall off. And once yeah. they fall, once you let the standard go, it's gone. You had everybody locked in that first year. And, and for whatever reason, it, it just it seems like – and. I was starting to 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 get hopeful, and it seemed like the results were there. That not that this team was about to win the Super Bowl, but that that detail end of it that was lacking. The very last time they played the New Orleans Saints was as ugly a football game as we've seen here, just from an execution and a focus standpoint, as we've seen here in quite some time. With the penalties, with the Javon Wims moment, with Nick Foles, who was this veteran you brought in to be mentally, you know, operating at a higher level than Mitch. And Nick Foles is out there looking confused. Charles Leno is telling him the play clock's about to run down. So you get delayed games and just drop passes and weird interceptions, all kinds of stuff in, in what ended up being a really ugly and disjointed game against New Orleans. The first time around, they found a way after the bye to clean a lot of that up and you had continuity on the offensive line and Mitch seemed to have a level of command that we hadn't seen from Mitch before against, again, some of the bad teams who they faced and you're running off wins there. But even against Green Bay last week, it didn't seem like the discipline waned against the Packers. So that's where, specific to to Matt Nagy, where it's awesome that the locker room galvanized in the way that it did to make this playoff run and get them to this point. While at the same time, what we saw today was a team that suddenly, in a playoff game, where you fought so hard to get to the second season, now suddenly this ball club looked undisciplined again. And that that was one thing that really surprised me today, where suddenly, 
after all this work you put in, now you get to the playoffs and you have this new opportunity that you've earned, suddenly there's a lack of discipline again. And that, that caught me off guard a bit today, I must admit. Phone lines are all lit up like a Christmas tree. And, and again, happy holidays to everyone out there if we haven't said that uh, in a couple of weeks. But we'll, we'll, let's get one more call in before we take another time out. Let's go to, let's see, we got Steve. Steve is in Oswego. Steve's been on hold for a bit here. Suppose post show. Steve, you got Olin Krutz and Anthony Heron. What's happening, Steve? Hey, guys. How you doing, man? I'm enjoying your show. You know what? Until we have a quarterback, we don't have a football team. I mean, Mitch is going to show you a couple of things and he's going to break your heart. <laughs> he's not the man for the job. He's not an NFL starting quarterback. He'll play 10 years in the NFL as a backup, but he's not going to take us to a Super Bowl. And until we realize that and accept that and realize that, we're going to be 7-9, 6-9, 6-8, it is. But until we get a quarterback, we don't have a football team. Do you know any quarterbacks that are free agents that can come in here and lead this team. And I hang up and listen. <laughs> Steve, I mean, it's a, it's a fair question. Uh, offhand? No, I don't I don't know any offhand that are just immediately going to be ready to come in and lead this team. Phillip Rivers is getting long in the tooth. He'll be 40 in a minute, but I do believe, uh, you know, there, there's a chance he won't be back with the Colts. We'll see what happens in Atlanta with Matt Ryan. We'll see what happens in Detroit with Matthew Stafford. Obviously, Deshaun Watson has has a lot of Bears fans excited because he's talking about he may want to get out of Houston reportedly. You know, you'd have to give up a lot to make that happen. And you just got a new general manager that took over the Texans. So I'm assuming part of the reason a new GM takes that job is because you think, oh, this is exciting. I at least have quarterback Mm -hmm. shored up. So I don't know if a new GM in Houston is going to be excited to make some deal to get rid of Deshaun Watson anyway. But long way of saying there's there's potential. There's there's options for veteran guys who who could in some way upgrade what you're doing there. You still have guaranteed money that's going to be old to Nick Foles too. So who knows exactly how the the quarterback room will look? But before we we take a time out, oh, I mean, do you think it's is it definitive that that Mitch w- would not be back next year? Do you think it's more about evaluating what's available before they make that call? Definitely, you definitely have to evaluate uh, what's out there before you make that call. And and the hard thing like we talked about earlier, was you haven't taken another young quarterback and yeah. you instead chose to develop Tyler Bray. Uh, who, <laughs> Is that what they did? That's what they did, I guess. <laughs> you know, and and, and then and there's another thing of where you blame Pace, but who is Tyler Bray's guy? Uh-huh. It's Coach Nagy, right? That's, uh-huh. that's who brought him in here. So, you know, I just, I don't know. You know, you, you look around the league and you say, okay, the, the Seattle Seahawks have Russell Wilson, and they just got beat in the first round of the playoffs, right? Mm-hmm. And Deshaun Watson, uh, Houston Texans have him. And look, if I'm the owner in Houston and a general manager comes down and says, I'm thinking about trading Deshaun Watson, I say, I'm going to let you take that back. And if you ever say it again, I'm going to fire you, right? Because <laughs> I think I just hired the wrong guy. Because you got your quarterback, build the team around him, right? Uh-huh. So you also have to have a good team, and you got to have good coaches around the good the quarterbacks. I was watching that Seahawks game big ant and watching their offensive performance. In my mind, I'm thinking, well, who who who's coaching? I know Schottenheimer's the offense coordinator, mm. but I'm like, who's coaching that offensive side of the ball? And I Googled it, and two of Pete Carroll's sons are coaching all, <laughs> offensive football in Seattle. And I think I found their problem, right? So so Pete Carroll. So your defensive yeah, head coach has a yeah, couple of sons and, on yeah, the offensive staff. Yeah, and who knows? The, the, the tight end coach might be his son-in-law. I don't know. I didn't right. look that deep right, into it. Yeah. But I guess he's just throwing everybody on that side of the ball. And, and, but what I'm saying is it, it takes everything and everybody. And the Bears have to decide 
what okay, if we still have our championship defense, if they still think they do, and and like you know, Big Ant, unless you're in the building, you don't know exactly where all these players are. Mm-hmm. You don't know what kind of injuries they have. You don't know what kind of arthritis they're dealing with and how long their bodies are gonna hold up. Only the Bears have all those answers. Right. So if you think you have a championship defense next year, then you keep Mr. Trubisky, you run the outside zone offense, and you pick up a couple offensive linemen, and you franchise Allen Robinson. Uh, it's, it's, it's really, that's what you do, right? You get yourself a tackle, maybe the best tackle on the market, maybe draft one, and you, and you decide to run the ball. Because, look, you knew they weren't going to run the ball this year when they made Jimmy Graham their starting tight end. <laughs> that, that doesn't screen to me. And, and then Ryan Nall is your third string running back, and Cordero Patterson is your second string running back. You don't have a fullback. You're not serious about running the ball. You're just not. Uh, 312-644-6767. Second time out, we'll come back. I see you on the line. Rich, Jose, James, we will get all of you on the line here. It's the Post Post Show. It is the, the Post Post finale on the score. This is Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com. Chicago Sports Station. Yeah, Jed. It, it's um, you know, you got to give credit to uh, to to Sean Payton and, and the Saints. Uh, that's a that's a good football team. I think for us, uh, it was one of those games where the the three phases. Um, we just didn't we didn't have the three phases playing together today. And uh, you know, you get into a game like this, you, you got to be able to execute on big plays. You got to be better on third down. You, you obviously got to score more points. And uh, against a team like this that has the experience and, and is a uh, has shown to win a lot of games, we we got to learn from this. We got to be better, you know. And, and our guys got to uh, understand the magnitude of that. It's Matt Nagy. Talking about all phases of the game, not quite getting the job done today against the New Orleans Saints. I would agree with that assessment. This is the Post Post Show here on Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. And I think I'm Anthony Hammond on the crew's here for, for a little bit longer. And uh, we'll get some Sunday night football for you here on The Score in a little while also. But, but I think one thing... Um, look at the offensive side. Obviously, Sean Payton's an offensive guy. Matt Nagy, an offensive guy who learned under one of the great coaches of all time and Andy Reid. But just an example of some of the personnel that just, you know, in some ways get, gets thrust into the lineup. Uh, like Deontay Harris returns for, uh, for New Orleans. He'd been out for a while. Um, Alvin Kamara had been out for a while. Michael Thomas had been out for a while. And it's not like necessarily, like I'm sure New Orleans go back and look at the film and say, okay, we didn't exactly like not miss a beat. You could tell we were a little bit rusty and everything like that. But for a quarterback like Drew Brees, who, whose arm is just like, you know, a string of pasta right now, he cannot attack vertically, but yet and still, the mental acumen is there. And for whatever reason, the, the way their offense, their passing attack especially, is being taught, still, when Drew Brees hits that fifth step, when he says, I need to cut it loose, he can trust to throw with anticipation that even a Deontay Harris – on a speed out, will be coming out of his break at the right time. When Drew Brees can't even see over some of the Bears defenders that are in his face, but he's just throwing it to a spot, and for whatever reason, within the structure that the New Orleans Saints run, they have skilled players, and it's not always Michael Thomas. You know, these other guys, even Taysom Hill, when they put him at receiver sometimes, you can Drew Brees can spot throw to the personnel he has there. So part of it is about the greatness of Drew Brees being able to throw with anticipation and accuracy, Part of that, I think, showcases the structure in New Orleans, though, in the coaching, the teaching, the development, where you see a lot of different pieces and parts. Like Emmanuel Sanders, a veteran, they didn't have him for chunks of the year. And still, 
the passing attack can can be threatening and, and can be potent against quality defensive players that the Bears will have out there. And I think that's something that we, we look at the greatness of Drew Brees and well-deserved, but I think it points to some of the greatness of what Sean Payton, and you, you got to be a part of it for a while at the, at the end of your career, but what they have in place there in New Orleans. Yeah, and, and you, you hit the nail on the head, Big Ant, because uh, if you look at the first time the Bears played the Saints, Michael Thomas is out, Emmanuel Sanders is out, Marquez Calloway was out. So you know the Bears had their two of their top three wide receivers out. The Saints the first time had all three of their wide right. receivers out and then just designed a game plan around Kamara. And I can tell you this, uh, being there, and Jermon Bushrod was on with us earlier today. Jermon Bushrod played left tackle in New Orleans, played here for the Bears for a while. And, and we both were talking about, and he echoed it too, that when you do walkthroughs and, and when you get to New Orleans, what you realize is that Sean Payton is a general of that ship. Mm. And, and he is a very, very good football coach, period, and, and has a very clear vision for how he wants to win each football game, not just every football game, but how do we win this football game at this time with who I have. And he, the way he pays attention to details and demands that you do too right. is, is very, very important to what they do. And then he has Drew Brees, who is basically the example, right? Mm. And I, I remember uh, we went through walkthrough one day, my first day in New Orleans, and Drew Brees, you know, we went through a normal walkthrough temple, and I turned around, and he had already thrown the ball, and he was finishing each one of his progressions and he was going at it full speed. So I turned back around and got in my blocking stance. I didn't know what was going on, right? I, I just didn't think I should be standing there at that moment. Right. right? I mean, Drew Brees still working. I, mean, I guess I, mean, I need to work, too. And, you know, and, but I had uh, big Carl Nix next to me, and he was just standing there doing nothing. So I was confused. But uh, uh, Sean Payton, I think uh, maybe Bill Belichick in front of him. And, and other than that, uh, mm. this, this guy who is a Bill Parcells disciple – is as good as a football coach as there is in the NFL. They've had a couple of these fluky postseason yeah. losses, losses the last yeah. few years. Here, where and, it feels like a squad that could have at least competed in, if not won, another Super Bowl. Yeah, and you know, thirteen and three, and and it just that's kind of his, you know, that's his that's his problem. But a guy that if Coach Nagy wants to take something from and learn from somebody and study somebody's history on how he's run his football team, how he's changed his football team, and what he has to do at certain times. This would be a good guy to study because he's an offensive guy, but but he also has built good, really good football teams for whatever guys he's had. Yeah, no doubt about it, man. And they're very good on the defensive side of the football as well. 312-644-6767. Let's go to – who is that? We got Sheik on the west side. I might be messing up the pronunciation of that name, but how about we get you on the line and figure that out? Is that Sheik on the west side? Yes, sir. Greetings and salutations, Olin and Anthony. It's a fancy to speak to you both. Uh, my comment today is regarding the minute and 47 seconds in the first half, two timeouts. We get the ball to start the second half. What kind of message are you sending to the team that your first two plays are handoffs up the middle for one yard? I mean, I, I, the defense was playing amazing to that point. Special teams was good. The offense was doing what it could with the limited play calling. I mean, I don't understand Wims being a focal point of the offense today, but that doesn't matter. But you sent a message to the team that you can't even believe in the offense to try and at least get a field goal before halftime, you know, and then go in the locker room down by one or up by three or four. But, no, you decide let's hand it off twice to Montgomery, who I love. He's been a stud. 
But I really, with a minute and 47 seconds and two timeouts, this is the message you're sending to your team? And no wonder when they come out in the second half, they're a little deflated. I would be too. It's like your leader is, is giving up on you. Yeah, How Matt Nagy, when, uh, yeah, when, when, when Nagy addressed that with the media afterwards, Sheik, he was saying that he, he didn't, didn't like the field position, and he said he even kind of addressed that with his coaches as well in, in that point in the game. And, I mean, you know, you defer – at the, at the top of the game with the notion that we'll have this opportunity to maybe go two for one. If we get the ball at the end of the first half and then start of the second half, maybe there's a chance to try and take command to some extent. We're trailing seven to three, you know, look like their offense maybe had a chance to get something going. We were able to thwart them. Our offense hadn't had too much going, but this is an opportunity here. And for whatever reason, in this playoff game, where to some extent they've been talking all week about being overlooked and playing with house money and this and that, but then it did get, you know, very conservative there with a coach who it sometimes is over aggressive and there, yeah, it did feel like there, there was more that maybe run it on first down to make sure they use their timeout. And then from there, maybe you get more aggressive and whether it's the trust in Mitch or, or whatever, I think it, it's got to be bigger than that. Just not trusting Mitch, but it, it did feel like that they could have been more aggressive there. Yeah. I mean, they could have, it's seven and three in a ball game that, that a lot of people didn't think you were going to be in. Right. And you're on the 18 yard line. And Drew Brees is on the other side, maybe one, you know, maybe the best top three or four quarterbacks in the league at the two-minute drill. Mm-hmm. So you give him the ball back there. I mean, it's like you just said, Big Ant, it, it, the, the Chicago Bears have to make a decision on what kind of football team that they're going to beat. And, and that is a direct reflection on what they think they have at quarterback. Mm-hmm. And they're always trying to protect him. And, look, uh, I'm sure you, hold, you heard Mitch Trubisky's post-game press conference, and he said, uh, you know, we couldn't stay on schedule today, so we didn't we didn't convert third downs. And I'm thinking to myself, like, you don't want to say that out loud, right? Because the big-time quarterbacks, they get paid to convert third downs. Hey, That's what you get paid third for. Long. Third it's and long. It's on me. Let's right? make it happen. And they had a couple 35s. They had a couple 38s. And he's right. They averaged 2.5 yards a carry, and they didn't run the ball very, the ball very good against a top-five run defense in the league. So – they had Malcolm Brown back this time, their nose guard. They didn't have him the first time. So you knew today was going to be – they'd have to make a few plays on third down. And me and you talked about earlier, that's where I think Mitch's feet come into play. Yeah. And the reason yeah. why he doesn't use them um, really baffles me. But uh, I, 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 didn't have a, a ba- I didn't have a problem with that decision just because of the way the defense was playing at that time. Mm-hmm. Let's sneak one more call in before we get out of here with some folks who've been on the hold. I see Rich on the south side. Rich, you got Anthony Heron and Olin Cruz on Post Post. What's happening? Hey, how you guys doing tonight? Good, Rich. I was wondering, do you think they should have kicked the field goal when it was fourth down and four on, uh, what was it, a, would have been a 52-yarder? Uh, and then also dropping that pass, those two plays there, if they kick the field goal and they make the touchdown, it's a totally different ball game. But, Ed, I was going to ask you guys as a player, when that ball goes through his hands, do you guys all go, uh-oh, or how do you get that out of your mind? Like, oh, here we go again kind of attitude. I think with, with that specifically with the, the ball going through Wims's hand, I know for me watching it, I went uh-oh, uh, but I'm, I'm not on the field. I'm not in the locker room. And I do think that the guys actually competing in the moment I feel like it maybe takes a little bit more, especially if you got a decent locker room, can take a little bit more for them on the field to kind of fully go in, oh, it's not our night. Um, but 
you know, that, that can be one ingredient that in a, in a number of ingredients throughout the game. And Anthony Miller gets kicked out. And I think there's several things where you're like, all right, man, enough. Like, all right, well, I guess maybe we ain't got it tonight. I don't think right there, while the whims moment is disappointing in dropping the touchdown, I don't think that, like, everybody on the field saw that as some harbinger of – because they, they still play pretty well for a while after that, especially defensively. Yeah, they, they did. And, and it's just – it does take the win out of yourselves, especially when – you know you're an offense that struggles scoring. And mm-hmm. you need big plays to, to, to get an end zone and kind of a trick play, right, and something you design. I'm sure the, the, uh, everybody's excited about everybody's it on the practice excited. field. They call it in the huddle. <laughs> right. And then it's open and it goes right through your hands. And, and as a, as a offense that the Bears are where, gosh, just putting it in the end zone is huge for them, right? Mm-hmm. And, and I think uh, they would either would have had the lead there or tied it up. And, and it takes a little win out of yourselves. And, and as for Mr. Trubisky – it must have been like, man, you know, threw two good balls, threw a good ball to him before yeah. that, threw another bad ball. So, yeah, I mean, but the leaders got to come together and get them over it. But like you said earlier, Big Ant, uh, just a weird game where, where, where that kind of drop pass, uh, um, you know, Eddie Jackson jumping off sides, Brett Urban jumping off sides, Akeem Hicks jump. It's it's just the discipline just wasn't there. Mm-hmm. And that that's, that's everybody. That's the locker room. That's the coaches. That's everybody in that building was not mentally prepared to go out there and win that game today. There will be a lot to discuss, a lot of things to figure out, questions the Bears will have to answer internally. How do you how do you get more explosive at receiver? How do you get deeper at running back? You know, how do you make sure the old line is where you need it to be? All those questions will be up to the McCaskey family and then Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy and everybody that's going to return from that point forward. I do know this, looking forward to returning hopefully next season for some more post-post. After the Chicago Bears, this is, of course, our last time being able to do this this season with the season coming to an end. So thanks to Julio Rosseo on the other side of the glass holding it down for us. As always, oh, spectacular opportunity sitting here with you, man, just comparing football notes with your great football brain. So <laughs> hopefully we get to do it again next season, man. <laughs> Hope I didn't poison it. <laughs> but again, I enjoyed it, man. Thank you very much. I learned just as much. Julio, thank you, man. Oh, man. Well, this has been the Post Post Show. Last time out of the blocks for this particular year. You'll hear Olin all throughout the week on the score. Tomorrow will be a Bears Monday. You will hear me with Lawrence Holmes in the afternoon. Olin will be on with Mullion and Hall in the morning. And I guess we'll just see what happens from there. But as it's going down, you will hear it all covered right here on Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend? 
or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.